EO Fire 1316. I don't have that regret nagging at me that I should have done it. Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to EO Fire, where I chat with inspiring entrepreneurs seven days a week. Are you looking for an all-in-one podcasting solution? Visit podcastwebsites.com and schedule a chat to see why Podcast Websites is for you. Ignite. Ready to drag and drop your way to a beautiful website? No coding required? Start your free trial site today. Visit squarespace.com and use promo code FIRE to get 10% off your first purchase. Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. Johnny Doom is here, and I'm fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Rick Smith. Rick, are you prepared to ignite? I don't know if I can be fully prepared. This uh, sounds like it could be a wild ride. (laughs) Rick is the founder and CEO of Taser International. He's on a mission to make the bullet obsolete. Rick, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro, and give us just a little glimpse of your personal life. A couple decades back now, I was in grad school in Belgium when two of my friends were shot and killed in a road rage incident back in the U.S. And right about that time, I happened across an article in the Wall Street Journal that mentioned that that year there were 35,000 people shot and killed. And to me, it was like, I thought it was a typo. It was such a staggeringly large number, Uh, but it's not. And and in fact, we still have over 30,000 people being shot and killed in this country every year. And I, that, that struck me as like something fundamentally messed up with the world. And um, so as I looked at it, sort of my background, my, uh, I grew up near Silicon Valley, um, well, in Silicon Valley for part of my high school years. And uh, I looked at this, I said, well, geez, maybe, you know, certainly the government's not been effective at dealing with this. And whether you believe in gun control or not, whatever we're doing ain't working. And so I sort of had this crazy idea. I was like, well, why don't we approach this as a technology problem? Why do people kill each other? Why do they use guns? And wouldn't there be a better way to defend yourself than firing a lead bullet at someone the same way we fought the British 250 years ago? You'd, you'd certainly think technology would have, uh, would have changed. And so I set out to start a company. And uh, it's been a long, winding path. I found a NASA scientist, actually the guy who was one of the chief scientists on the Apollo Project, had invented this technology called Taser back in the 1960s, but it it didn't work very well in the beginning. And, uh, you know, the company had gone bankrupt and he'd retired to Tucson, Arizona, as as luck would have it, near where my parents lived. And so at the age of 23, I looked him up and convinced him to give it another shot and been doing it for 24 years now. Wow. I mean, I can tell you what, Fire Nation, a lot of you listening know that I have quite the military background. I was an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years, four active, four in the reserves, did a 13-month tour of duty in Iraq. And I can tell you one thing, when you're in Iraq and you're armed and dangerous, so to speak, and you're in a situation where you draw uh, a weapon such as a gun, the reality is you better be prepared to use it. That's what we were always taught, and that's what we, we found to be a reality as well. If you draw a gun, you better be prepared to use it. And there were so many times when I looked around and I said, man, the only real weapon that I have is a gun, and I do need to use or slash draw some form of weapon in this scenario. And man, it just makes me think back and say, wow, what if I had had an alternative? What if my soldiers had an, had an alternative? Like, what would have been different? I mean, things that escalated super quickly may have been de-escalated or never got to that boiling over point. So there's a lot to think about here. And I'm glad we're bringing you on because I think this is an important issue to talk about, Rick. But first and foremost, let's get down to the nuts and bolts for the entrepreneurial side. 
revenue. How do you generate revenue specifically in your business today? Well, today we're a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ, so it's it's a fairly mature business. Uh, we sell the taser weapons primarily to law enforcement. That's our that's our sweet spot, although we also do about 5% of our business to consumers uh, that buy a taser as an alternative to a gun. So we sell hardware. Uh, then there's a whole other side of the business where we're a software as a service play. We're the largest cloud software company in the public safety and law enforcement space. Uh, which a lot of people raise an eyebrow. They go, wait a minute, Taser, the weapon guys, or a cloud <laughs> software company? Right. Uh, and uh, sort of the connection, the nexus between the two are body cameras. Uh, and it turns out that when police use tasers, there's a lot of controversy around it. So we started making cameras about 10 years ago. And it turns out the camera is the easy part. It's how do you manage all of the data, all the content? So we launched a cloud services division under the Axon brand uh, because obviously Taser is such a strong brand but it means electric gun. So our, our, our second brand is Axon for this connected ecosystem of cameras and cloud software. And just this quarter, the Axon business unit passed the Taser business unit wow. in, in revenue bookings. Wow, so cool. And I'm sure, Rick, every now and then, you probably roll your eyes because you hear this so often, but a lot of people, when they hear the word taser, they think of that YouTube video that went viral with that kid that said, don't tase me, bro, don't tase me, bro. And he was in that courtroom and he was getting you know, really unjustly tasered by um, people that were in that room as well. And the reality is this, you can misuse any weapon. That's just a reality. But I'm sure if you go back to that kid and you say, hey, would you rather have been tasered a couple times or potentially shot in the back you know, by the, the weapon that was drawn instead of a taser? I think he'd have a pretty quick answer for you there as well. So you know, there's a lot to think about when it comes to this topic and this subject. But what I want to focus on now, Rick, is more your journey as an entrepreneur because it just wasn't this straight line to success. You've had some struggles as well. So take us to what you consider your worst entrepreneurial moment to date and tell us that story. So the worst moment would have been in 1998. So we'd started in 93 uh, and we raised money from some friends and family. Uh, so as I mentioned, I grew up, my dad had done a startup that was reasonably successful in Silicon Valley. And that created some of the money that, that he invested into Taser and then one of his best friends invested in. And of course, we originally thought it was going to take you know, a limited amount of money and it turned out it took a hell of a lot more, uh, took a lot longer than we thought. And as we were struggling to survive, to, to get the revenues up to where the business could sustain itself, we did, this, uh, we did this thing actually in 1997. We went to the Consumer Electronics Show, and we'd had a couple customers ask if we could rig up a taser to protect their car. And you know, we were, frankly, kind of so desperate to find product market fit that we said, well, hey, let's, let's do a publicity stunt where we'll, we'll make this steering wheel lock. You remember the club? Oh, yeah. Very you well. Know? So we basically took the club and we wrapped an electric fence around it. So the idea was if somebody tried to you know, take it out of your car, it would shock them. And it was, it was the hit of the Consumer Electronics Show 1997. Literally, we were – this was the year they introduced DVD. If you saw the front page of the Las Vegas newspaper, DVD was nowhere. Auto Taser was the thing. It, there, there was huge crowds of people. Good Morning America on every major press outlet. Tons of publicity. Now, the problem with that was we had no idea how we were actually going to build this thing. It was a prototype that we'd made literally in a two-week period leading up to the show as a publicity stunt to test the market. Now, what happened from that was we thought we had the world by the tail. That you know, we thought that my gosh, this is this is going to be the biggest uh, you know business success in history, right? We're going to revolutionize the automotive industry, and 
so we put all of our effort over the next two years into building and delivering this product to meet the demand. And long story short, after two years of grueling effort and all sorts of fiascos trying to rush this thing to market, it flopped. And I remember talking to, we were in Pep Boys, the big automotive stores. And I remember talking to Pep Boys managers and they said, this is the most exciting product we've ever had in the store. We never have, people are bringing their friends into Pep Boys to look at this. This is amazing. Your, your point of purchase display, this is fantastic. And I said, that's great. You feel that way. Have you sold any of them? Uh, well, no, no, we haven't sold any of them, but people <laughs> love them. And we finally had this realization that we had built the product equivalent of the bearded lady at the circus. We'd built this freak product that everybody loved to talk about, everybody loved to see. They loved to come to the demos and they'd have their buddy grab it to see, you know, <laughs> to see them shock them. But people, it, people weren't buying it. Right. And I, I, so now at this point, my parents are near bankrupt. They, my dad's put everything into this. His best friend has got a lot of money at risk. And I remember my dad coming in and you know, saying, we got to talk, son. We sit down in a conference room. And he looks at me and he says, shut her down. She's pumping mud. What we had spent two years working on, we realized, was a complete distraction. Uh, I walked around the parking lot at work that day, and there was not one employee using one of these in their car. And we'd given everybody one as a Christmas uh, gift. Because times were getting tough, right? You give your employees product right. as their Christmas bonus. Um, and not, nobody was using it. And so the epiphany was, you know, we had started this company with this mission to protect life, to make the bullet obsolete. When that turned out to be hard, we ran in a different direction trying to make a quick buck. We did this publicity stunt and we thought we we're going to make a bunch of money selling this, frankly, kind of gimmicky car security device. And it, at that point, I was 90% sure we could not survive it. It looked like it, it had put us out of business. Fire Nation, if there's one thing that you can take away from this story, people vote with their wallet, period. Don't take their voices. Don't take their words. Don't do this. Don't do that. Take their dollars up front. Every failure that I've had with a product launch has been when I've just taken people's words. Oh, yeah, that'll be great. People will love it. I'll love it. Crickets. Every time I said, okay, if you really think you love it, then how about putting down some money right now? How about paying for half up front for something that will be created later? And when people want it that bad that they'll pay for something that hasn't even existed yet, aka most things on Kickstarter, then you know you have proof of concept. So think about that. That's so powerful. Rick, in just one sentence, what do you want to make sure Fire Nation gets from your story? As an entrepreneur, don't do things for money. Do things to solve a problem that matters. The thing that sucked us in is we thought that we were going to get rich quick doing this, but none of us believed in the concept of that product, and it nearly killed us. So, you know, I, I tell entrepreneurs all the time, if you're going to start a business, you need to do something you're so passionate about that if you fail for the next five to seven years mm -hmm. continuously, that you will still stick it out. Even when the, the days are darkest and you think it, your chance of success is dwindling near zero, that you're so passionate about the problem you're solving that you're going to stick it out. Because ultimately, solving big problems is what creates value and that's what creates, drives revenue and, and money long term. Uh, doing something because you think you're going to make a buck, in my estimation, never works out well. You have to do what you're passionate about. But the measure ultimately is, will people buy it? So if people get excited about it, well, th that's great. But in like the auto taser, we thought other people were excited about it. We weren't passionate about it, but we saw the excitement. Other people's excitement 
that does not necessarily translate into dollars. And so like when I see people talking about, hey, we were picked as one of the leading innovative products by Times Innovative Product or we were at CES and we got a bunch of publicity. My reaction is, hey, that's great. That means that it's interesting for people to talk about. That is no correlation to commercial success that people are going to buy it. A lot of great stuff here at Fire Nation. And what I really do want to just emphasize with everything that Rick is saying is unless you're running a charity, you are obligated to generate revenue with your business. So you can continue doing that thing that hopefully you're passionate about, that you're excited about, that's bringing real value to the world. Now, Rick, tell us a story about one of your greatest aha moments. I mean, you've had a few in your day for sure. You'll have a few more in the future, no doubt. What's one of the greatest? Take us to that moment and tell us that story. All right. So from 1998, the auto taser crashes and burns. We pivot back to our core and man, did we find success with our core weapon. We finally got it right. And law enforcement market took off. We went public in 2001. In 2004, we were the top performing stock in the world. It was an amazing run of success. Then January 2005 hit. You've all seen the controversy about taser devices, you know, uh, do they kill or not? Do they injure people or not? The don't tase me bro guy, was he abused or not? Right. And we got hit with a raft of lawsuits and a federal investigation into the safety of our devices that was absolutely miserable. Once again, we're in this major crisis in 2005. It, we weren't sure the company would survive again. Mm-hmm. We got hit with like 150 lawsuits in less than a year. And the thing that came out of that, the aha moment was, well, wait a minute. There's all this controversy about not just our product, but around police work. People don't trust the word of a police officer when they hurt somebody or, you know, when there's a bad outcome. And because of all of that negative energy, we decided, you know what we need to do? We need to put cameras on tasers so that we can record what happened. So instead of people arguing about it with their own personal beliefs, you know, and we've now seen this culminated in the Ferguson incident, sort of the the poster child of this incident where the police officer is saying he's defending his life. Other people are saying that he executed a man with his hands up and nobody knows the truth. And as a result, they burned down the city of Ferguson. So that controversy, when that hit us, the aha moment was if we solve this problem, there's probably a way to make that valuable as well. So we got into cameras, which got us into cloud software. And that business is now bigger than the core taser business. It's a great example. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. As long as you sort of identify how to, you know, what is the real problem that's, that's, you know, threatening my life right now. And when I solve that, how do I do it in a way that doesn't only defend me from this risk, but is there an opportunity? Where's the silver line is? If I solve this problem, can I make a business out of it? I just love that. And the key words there, real problem, Fire Nation, is the problem that you are trying to solve a real problem. Now, Rick, I want to do a little bit of a shift here and let's focus on what you consider your biggest weakness as an entrepreneur. Break it down for us. My optimism. When I latch onto an idea that I think is a good idea, I cannot fathom that it will fail. It's inconceivable to me that great ideas will fail. And frankly, going back to that auto taser problem, seeing the crowds and the excitement and all that, I never stopped to think, what's our plan B? Never thought, like, how do we validate this? How do we really conserve our, our resources and make sure we've got a product people will buy? We just went all in on a losing product. What's your biggest strength? My optimism. When bad things do happen, like in 2005, when the company, you know, employees were terrified that the company was going to burn down uh, in, amidst all the controversy. And relative, you know, right in the middle of all that, I was looking at it saying, you know, there, 
this this problem is an opportunity. There's a silver lining in here somewhere, and we quickly started pivoting instead of you know panicking about uh, you know the ship potentially getting burned uh, burned down. How do we solve this problem, and, and how do we do it in a way that creates more value? So you know, obviously, it's the flip side of the same coin. Optimism can lead you at 100 miles an hour into a brick wall, but without it, you won't try the crazy things that you need to do as an entrepreneur to ultimately succeed. So I, I think ultimately, it's for me, it's been finding that self-awareness that having been through a couple major fiascos, I'm aware, I've become self-aware that my, my optimism is dangerous and super useful. And so I need to find ways to calibrate and have some skeptics around me that can beat it up uh, in a way that'll help identify my misplaced optimism uh, from the well-placed optimism. So, Rick, we've already talked about a few things that you are rightfully so fired up about, but what's just the one thing that has you most excited today? Well, the thing that has me most excited today, uh, frankly, is the is the cloud business that we're building internally. Because not only are we are we connecting cameras, uh, our cameras to the cloud, we're effectively bringing the internet to law enforcement. If you think about all these internet enabled devices that power our personal lives. If you actually go to a police station last year, the NYPD had the, they they put in a million dollar budget line item to replace aging typewriters, and the New York City Council actually <laughs> passed an ordinance banning typewriters at the NYPD. Now, I'm not doing this to make to 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 make light of of uh, any agency in particular. It's just a fact that law enforcement. We see it on TV and we think that it's like the TV show 24 where these guys have satellite tracking <laughs> devices, all this crazy stuff. The fact is, no, most law enforcement agencies still have to deal with forms and carbon paper and triplicate Ugh. and typewriters. And, and they, most, most police do not have a smartphone that, that they can use for work. They have a personal phone. Uh, and when I query our, our, our customers, I, we do surveys all the time. Where do you have more advanced technology? As a cop? or at home in your house, 90 plus percent have more advanced technology at their house. So what's got us fired up now is that we think we're on the leading edge of not just one business with the camera business, but we have the opportunity to sort of create this. It's it's very cliche to say the Apple ecosystem or the Android ecosystem, this connected application hardware environment to serve this important sort of niche market around public safety and dramatically change everything about the way an officer's life works. The same, the same way that a smartphone has changed yours in my personal life. That hasn't come to police work yet. Well, Fire Nation, that's something to be fired up about, faux show. And I'm fired up about the lightning round. But we're going to take a quick minute first to thank our sponsors. Let me guess. You know you want to start a business and you even have proof of concept and your perfect customer defined, but there's still something holding you back from actually launching your website. Hosting companies, coding, design elements, these are not in your realm of expertise. And unfortunately, you're allowing these things to halt your progress. That stops today because Squarespace has you covered. Squarespace makes it simple to drag and drop your way to a beautiful website, no coding required. With Squarespace, you get the whole package and including a dashboard with easy-to-use tools and a free domain when you sign up for one year. Plus, you know you can trust Squarespace when millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world trust in them too. Start your free trial today. Visit squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the promo code FIRE and get 10% off your first purchase. 
Fire Nation, you might be surprised how many people are looking for your business on Google every day, not necessarily by name, but by the products or services that your business offers. When people are searching for these things, it means that they're interested in them, and that's exactly when your business should be there. The good news is, it's easy to make that happen. Just run an ad on Google. You don't have to be a marketing genius either. Creating an ad takes just a few minutes. Head on over to g.co slash eo fire to learn more. There's even a special offer waiting for you. That's g.co slash EO fire. Rick, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Nothing. Uh, to, to be honest, like I, uh, when I was a freshman in high school, my dad moved out from a uh, sort of a cushy job as a middle-level executive in a big company in the East Coast. And we went to Silicon Valley and he took a job as the CEO of a really small startup. And when I saw how fired up he got, like he was, he was a different man. He was so excited about what he was doing. We used to sit around the dinner table and the challenges he was running into were so interesting and exciting that i I was like, well, geez, why would I ever go get a job? I, I want to be like my dad is now. So by time, frankly, when I went to college, it was it was pretty clear. I, my number one objective, I thought, was when I come out, I want to find something I'm fired up about that I'm I'm going to go do a startup. I don't know what it is, and, I, and so I was waiting until I saw the opportunity. And and frankly, unfortunately, it was a personal tragedy that got me fired up at this opportunity. But there was uh, from the age of about four, 13 or fourteen. I knew this is what I wanted to do. What's the best advice you've ever received? Just do it. Take the risk and go pursue an idea you believe in. Everybody has great ideas and we all talk about it. The difference in entrepreneurs, they're the people who say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do it. You're not going to starve. You're not, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Take, take the risk. And I guarantee, even if it fails, you'll be able to go get a job somewhere else and you're more valuable because you'll have, you'll have the sort of the entrepreneur's imprimatur, even if it's a failure, you're, you know, there's always a job you can go get somewhere, but clinging to some job that, you know, you hate going to work every day, you know, kill it, man. Go, go. If you've got an idea, go after it. What's a personal habit that contributes to your success? I would just say perseverance to continue after something you believe in and just getting back up when you get knocked down. Can you share an internet resource like Evernote with Fire Nation? Quip, Q-U-I-P. It's fantastic. It is an, it's an app that runs on mobile devices. It's sort of like Microsoft Word meets um, Slack. It's got an integrated messenger and into uh, that merges messaging and documents in a way that it's hard for me to describe but how, how well this has worked for us. But we don't email press releases or Word documents around anymore. It's a collaborative Google Doc-like environment, but they've integrated the Messenger in such an awesome way that you have these conversations on bullet points within big documents. Like our company plan is in Quip. We have 500 people collaborating on this document, and there's all sorts of side conversations happening. Uh, it's probably the number one tool we use to run a you know a, a, about an 800-person business now, and it's been pretty life-changing. We just put it in a couple of years ago. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? I think Exponential Organizations by Salim Ismail. Um, so... It's a, it's basically a book about how do you design organizations to take advantage of 
the fastest moving technology trends today. It's a fascinating read. Rick, I want to end today on fire with a parting piece of guidance. The best way that we can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. The best way to connect with me, uh, probably on Twitter. I'm at Rick Taser. And a parting piece of guidance. Parting piece of guidance is, you know, if you have that burning idea that you think could really be successful, don't be put off by my auto taser disaster. Uh, you know, you may fail, but it is better to fail trying to do something big than to just keep plowing through your life and get, you don't want to be that guy that gets the end of your life or that gal that says, you know, I had this great idea, but I never did it. Even when I failed, you know, you, you still feel better about it. You know what? I, I gave this a shot and you know what? I failed, but I don't have, I don't have that regret nagging at me that I should have done it. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You've been hanging out with RS and JLD today, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Rick in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. You name it, we talked about it, it'll be there. And of course, you can find him at Rick Taser on Twitter. And Rick, I want to thank you, brother, for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Sweet, it's been a lot of fun. An ad on Google will help your business find new customers at the exact moment they're searching for what you have to offer. Go to g.co slash eofire to get a $75 credit after you invest $25 in your first campaign. That's g.co slash eofire. Fire Nation, thank you for listening to EO Fire. Visit eofire.com for killer resources, free trainings, and so much more. It's time to share your voice and message with the world, and our free podcast course will show you the way. Text podcast course, all one word, to 33444 and ignite.